Hey, it's Chris Hartwig from Painless Networking here, and thanks for checking out the Painless Podcast. Thrilled to have you here for our first episode. The goal each week of the Painless Podcast is going to be to uh, either introduce or maybe reintroduce you to somebody that's uh, just a a great person, smart, uh, creative, interesting, making a difference, and uh, setting a good example out there in sports, events, startups, and cause marketing, which is what Painless Networking is all about. Today's Painless Podcast guest is the very talented Nancy Armour with USA Today. You'll see Nancy's columns three times a week or so in the uh, often on the front page of the USA Today sports section. Been lucky to know Nancy for about 20 years already. Can't believe thinking about that, but met her in, back in 98 when I was uh, working in communications around the Chicago Marathon, and she was the AP Chicago person covering the, the race. Uh, you'll also, if you come to Painless Networking events, you have a chance to meet her. She frequently frequently comes to Painless Networking and uh, I know she'll kill me for saying this, but I think she's she's really a great example, an epitome of a great writer from the Midwest. Grew up in Wisconsin and uh, has now been in Chicago for for almost uh, 20 years or so. And uh, just appreciate her modesty and being grounded and, and about telling other people's stories and important stories that need to be heard. It's not about her. And uh, she's, uh, though she may be modest, she is very tough and doesn't back down to anybody. She's got some interesting stories to tell us about that. So this interview was recorded a couple of weeks back now. We caught up right before she headed out to the AFC Championships and then spent the last week or so in Houston for the Super Bowl. And uh, you can catch her take on all the Super Bowl stuff uh, at uh, usatoday.com. That uh, today, uh, the, just kind of a quick recap of what we're going to talk about. The front half will be a frank conversation, um, uh, how a frank conversation with her brother resulted in a, a drastically different uh, major in college, actually changing schools as well, and how she got into journalism and, and how she's built her career up. The back half, we're going to go a little bit deeper into some, some of her process, especially around some controversial issues and uh, what informs her writing that makes it so good. Specifically, we're going to go into a recent column about um, the future of Title IX, the Trump administration, and uh, safety of women on college campuses, combined with the the latest lawsuit and uh, uh, Baylor University. And then, uh, as part of that, how her column came together in just a a matter of a few hours in one day. Uh, Finally, touch a few other things, being a woman sports writer, dealing with nasty trolls, how she uh, has actually turned some trolls into friends, interestingly, and how she also uses 16 years of Catholic education in uh, her battle with some folks on Bible verses and such. So anyway, I I hope you'll find this interesting. Let's take a listen now to Nancy Armour from USA Today on the Painless Podcast. I wanted to welcome you, Nancy, and thanks for being the inaugural guest on the Painless Podcast on this inauguration day. Thank you for having me, and if I'm the first guest, at least you can only go up from here. Well, <laughs> I love the, love the modesty. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and I think we're going to actually touch on a few things related around uh, uh, inauguration and some of the changes in, in D.C. and how that will uh, affect how you're, you're going about your job. But uh, I wanted to turn back the clock a little bit first and, and get a little bit of the, the background so people know um, a little bit more about you, where you came from, um, where where did you grow up? Where are you, where are you from? I am a proud native cheesehead. I grew up in Milwaukee and went to Marquette University. Um, 
graduated with a degree in degrees, I guess, in journalism and political science with a minor in history. Um, kind of always thought I'd live in Milwaukee. And then, oh, really? yeah. Um, and then my first job out of college was in Beloit, Wisconsin, which is right on the border. Um, I was actually a cops and courts reporter, my very first job. So, um, and that's probably <clears throat> helpful uh, more than ever right now with <laughs> some of the work that you're doing, right? It's actually great. It, it was great training ground and it was, um, a, I think our circulation was maybe seventeen or 18,000, but the community was, it was right at the crossroads of 90 and 43. So it, oh, right. it was really an interesting place. Like I think I did in the time that I was there, I think I did three murder trials, a uh, civil lawsuit stemming from a gang rape. Um, and that was only in about a year and a half. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Countywide drug busts, uh, riots after the Rodney King verdict. So there's all kinds of really interesting stuff to cover. Well, would it, you know, to that point of being poli sci as well as journalism major with some history, w- were you thinking, I mean, did you, uh, you know, was, was the goal to be um, a journalist uh, a columnist, a writer, or was part of that, uh, you know, maybe I might go to law school, uh, or was it just, we'll see where this goes, then this is the stuff I'm interested in when I'm 18 and 19? Kind of none of the above, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> funny story. Um, I, I never, like growing up, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I Reporter was not, or journalist was not one of the things that I ever said, and in fact, I was accepted and planned to go to DePaul University in Indiana. I was accepted into their accelerated business program. And my brother called and said, I hear you're going to DePaul. And I said, yep. He said, I hear you're gonna major in business. And I said, yep. And he said, you realize you're going to flunk out. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> loving <laughs> brother. Yeah, love older brothers. Um, but he was right. I can't do math, as anybody who follows me on Twitter is well aware. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't, I don't have a mind for things like that. So, you know, when Rob said that, I, I said, well, what, you know, what am I going to do? And he said, well, he said, you can't go to Madison. It's too big for you. He said, go to Marquette. And I said, what am I going to major in? And he said, <laughs> you like writing, try journalism. If you hate it, you can always switch. Really? And here I am. So when, wh- how much older was he than you? Was he, he already is, out of school or was he No, he was school? at Madison. He's two and a half years older than I am. And the best part is he has no recollection of this conversation whatsoever. Really? Yes. Yeah, life changing life. <laughs> completely. And he doesn't even. He's got no clue. Have, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's always nice. Uh, so, you know, did you do in, you know, t- t- touching on journalism then, then it wasn't like uh, some of the more traditional path that somebody said, you know, they were working on the high school paper and or radio station and, you know, really kind of focused on that. This was just... It, well, I had worked on the, the paper in high school and I did at Marquette, but it was kind of... I was all over the place. My internships, I, I did not have the traditional internships. I worked at um, Wisconsin Electric in their PR department and then their hmm. marketing department. Right. Um, and... I applied for both PR jobs and newspaper jobs right out of school and kind of figured, well, would, you know, whoever hires oh, me, that's right. kind of the direction I'm going to mm-hmm. go. Um, and fortunately, I was hired by a newspaper because that is really where, you know, I have discovered that that is where my true love is. So, um, yeah. Did the, 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 the writing piece of it, did that come easy? Uh, you know, is that part of the reason you could you said, oh, I could do journalism? Like, were you thinking, you know, in high school you were an English and history person and like to write papers and those kinds of things? Well, or? I don't know that anybody likes well, to write papers. Right. But, um, yes, writing is something that's always 
come fairly easy to me. Um, my sister and I were talking about it at one point, and she said, "How how do you do it?" And you know, my sister is incredibly intelligent, but writing papers is not the easiest thing for her, and right. it takes her a long time to do it. And she said, "How you know how do you write?" And I said, "I don't know. I just I just do. It's just something I've always been able mm. to do, and it, it's something I enjoy." So right. it, when my brother suggested that, it you know, like I said, I had worked on the paper in high school, right. thought that was fun. Um, and does, now, what yeah. does he do? What did he's what did an accountant? He... <laughs> and if you look so up he... the word accountant in the dictionary, there's probably a picture of my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and your sister that doesn't like to write, what is she doing? She's a teacher. Uh, oh, yeah. But not teaching English, is she? She actually teaches French. Oh, bonjour. That's all I remember <laughs> from my junior high French. Um, you're all right. That yep. that both news and sports. You know, was AP uh, at that point is getting into doing being a real reporter? Were you gravitating towards news or doing cops and courts? Did that take you? You know, saying I don't want to do this and that stuff. I want. I'm, I'm a sports person at heart. I mean, where did that? I, well, I always joke that I have had the most accidental career of anyone um, <laughs> because I did. I've always enjoyed sports. Grew up watching it with my dad. Um, I'm not coordinated, so I was never an athlete, but. Um, have always liked it. Never really thought about being a sports writer. It didn't occur to me. But I covered some sports in college basically because it was the, by the time I signed up for things, it was the only beats that they had left were really? on the sports desk. Yeah. Huh. So that's how I started. And then they would have me do the men's basketball games during Christmas break because I lived in Milwaukee and I was going to be there. <laughs> so, um, but with when you're with the AP, you have to do a little bit of everything. And when I got the job in South Bend, part of it was you're going to be covering Notre Dame, which right. to me sounded like fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but I do like sports and I love college football. And the more that I was doing sports, the more I realized how much I loved covering it. Oh, okay. And fortunately, the um, sports editor of the AP at the time, Terry Taylor, was kind enough or you know, delusional enough to give me assignments and kind of <laughs> let me explore if this was something I wanted to do and if it was something I could do. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there were NCAA tournaments in Indianapolis that I covered, the uh, 500. Um, she'd occasionally bring me down for Pacer games. Uh, I did a couple of Bulls games because that was during their championship runs. Um, and just the more that I got the chance to do it, the more I just really loved yeah. it and realized this is what I should be doing. Yeah, going back to Marquette, and first of all, I, I remember – not important trivial things like mascots and such that you were still warriors at yes, that point, we right? Were. Um, I won't, I won't ask for PC purposes, uh, which side of that battle you're on, but who was the head coach at that time? Was that Majerus or was uh, he after that? No, the first one was Bob Duquette and okay. then Kevin O'Neill came in oh, my Kevin junior year. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, covering that and those press conferences must've been, uh, especially in the pre, uh, social media days where he could let it fly well it, it wasn't even so much that it was the, so this was his first head coaching job he'd been an assistant at oh, arizona was, okay. and this got is where it. he got his start right and i i'm trying to remember i think i can't remember i think he was yeah he came in my junior year was his first season shows you how old i am um but I remember sitting down and having a meeting with him and he was very cordial you know this mm -hmm. is going to be great we look forward to working with you and your staff blah 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 and then something happened with one of the players and at the time Marquette put out a phone book that had everybody's oh, right. name number and address mm -hmm. and yes at the time you had landlines so whatever it was and I cannot remember for the life of me what what the circumstance was um, but we called the player in his dorm room right um, or his apartment I think it was and 
that got back to O'Neill pretty quickly, and he called and just railed. How dare you call yeah. my players? Blah blah blah. And I I remember getting called into his office, and I went and and he was lambasting me, and I said, "We're we're not your PR tool. We are going to do <laughs> anything that any other reporter would do." Right. I said, and you can't tell me that if you told somebody from the Milwaukee Journal not to call your players that they would actually listen to it. They would yeah, go ahead right. and do it if they felt the need yeah. to. I said, we are going to operate the same right. way. You were doing your job. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good you know, real world type of experience all the way back to that point. Yeah. Plus, good for you to for you know standing up like that, especially to, I mean, God bless Kevin O'Neill. I've, I've been in, uh, what was I, at a Northwestern. That was fun. I played in a Northwestern um, golf outing one okay. point when he was basketball coach and Randy Walker at the same oh, time was yeah, the football was coach. Oh, yeah, was the football coach, right. I mean, a treat. But good thing, again, this was probably, what, a little bit later than so late 90s, I'm guessing, maybe even early 2000s? Probably late 90s, I think. Right? Yeah. So there's still the camera phones and all those things because otherwise it, uh, Walker maybe and O'Neill definitely would have lost their jobs <laughs> with the posting some of the comments. But but a, a different era that was not even that long ago, like you said, landlines and all those things, how much that's changed. It will, I, wanna, I do want to actually take a, uh, a look at that in a little bit, but kind of just looking, looking at career path to get to this point, and then, I, and then I think we'll spend the rest of the time on some of that stuff as, as well as networking and, and improving your skills and things like that. But um, from, so from uh, Indy, you went to South Bend. Mm-hmm. You were, uh, you know, have down as the title as correspondent. Yep. Basically, you're the one-person bureau. And then, um, then you came to Chicago in '98, and we're here for six and a half years in that role. And then you were here for another nine, right? It was still based in Chicago, doing AP National Sports, yes. right? But it was all based here, it, yeah. right? So you've always been from '98 since been able to be based in in Chicago, yeah. Um, but but going back to the say the South Bend situation, one person beer, like, how did you pick? How'd you come about? I mean, obviously there's news stories, there's releases that are coming out, there's something happening on campus with, um, you know, whatever, it's athletics or it could be, you know, an uproar over a professor doing, saying something. So there's some things that present themselves. But other than that, um, you know, maybe uh, early in the week, football games are over, say, you know, in the fall. What, what other, how did you generate, you know, your workload, basically, your stories? How'd you decide what you were covering, what you weren't, when there wasn't something presenting itself to you? Well, I had bosses in Indianapolis that I reported to, and, right. and sometimes they would suggest things. Other times I'd come up with it on my own. Um, and a, a lot of it was news-driven. Uh, I had the northern third of Indiana, so I had Gary. I had Fort Wayne. Um, so I would do stories related to the auto industry. Oh, right. Uh, and that, so that was covered out of South Bend, not yes. like Chicago was coming in or no, even Indy. No. That all fell. That sh- oh, all, that's, yeah. That's a pretty big space. It is. And good experience to be able to do it yourself. And, it, and also, too, completely different. You know, there's the, the issues and things that you're dealing with in, say, Shipshawana are completely different than what you're dealing with in Fort Wayne or in Kokomo Mm -hmm. or in Gary. So, um, which was, that also was a good education because, you know, you see things from a small town perspective, you see things from a a large city perspective. So, um, (laughs) which leaping forward (laughs) to today is part of the problem and then the whole national dialogue is that separation of different communities and not connecting. So, a very interesting perspective and have that beaten into your head is not the right word, but exposed to but that. Yeah, you see it and up front. understanding that and trying to gather. I think that 
I would assume that and from knowing you and reading your work that that plays a big part in your pieces is this this is about more than just one perspective it's about more than just coming from one city or something right yeah um because you i think the 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 at the heart of what we do is we're informing people but we're you know and the idea is to get people talking about things right and get people communicating and that, you know that is what we do and so if you can present an issue if you can anticipate how it would strike different people um you're you've got a better chance of having it get read or get shared or you know it's sparking a conversation now what you know not saying that there's tons of of downtime because there's always you're researching or writing or looking for the next topic or traveling and doing all the <laughs> you know you've covered we'll talk a little bit about that too of all the big games and events that you've uh, covered over the over your career but um, you know do what do you do outside of your literal job to either well there's two different parts of it one is to have a break so totally get away right and then the but the other piece is also there's got to be times of well how do I get better at my job do I, I mean you're doing other types of writing you're challenging yourself in different ways than than just a column or something like that what, what else are you doing besides the you know the pure mechanical day-to-day work the biggest thing that I found and, and this has been the case throughout my career is is I read a lot um, mm-hmm. whether it's books magazines newspapers website um, there are certain writers that I like both in in news and sports right. um, and so I try and read as much of them as I can um, I try and read people who I don't agree with because I think that's important well, that's too. what I was gonna say is again to where we are right now in the country again this will air a little bit after inauguration a day, obviously, but that's where we are. So it's certainly top of mind right now. That's what I worry about with myself, at least. And I s- certainly see it out there is that echo chamber. If right. you're, you're only listening to watching what you are believing or want to hear. That can be almost, um, I'd say, crippling to being able to form a real opinion. And so for somebody like you that challenging yourself like that, so what, you know, where do you you know, if you don't mind, like in terms of at least uh, people you're not necessarily modeling after, but uh, admiring, like whose work do you read and aspire to be, or, you know, try to take a little something from when you're, when you're out there reading? Um, in terms of sports? Uh, yeah. And it, I don't it, necessarily mean that, but yeah, yeah, no. And I've got a couple, I've got, you know, people, like I said, across the board because, um, uh, I, I do think it's it's good to have different opinions. Um, but in terms of sports, I'm a big fan of Ann Killian out in San Francisco. Uh, San Jose, technically, but mm-hmm. I think they're now all one big happy family <laughs> right. um, in terms of the papers. Uh, I read, I loved Bill Roden when he was at the New York Times. Um, I will read anything that Lee Jenkins writes, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's, he's the NBA reporter for Sports Illustrated, but right. he is a phenomenal storyteller. Yeah. He's just terrific. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if he's writing about nutritional labels, I would read that. <laughs> um, Dave Shinen from the Washington Post mm-hmm. is also just a beautiful storyteller um, and also has like opera quality voice. If you ever get in a karaoke contest with him, oh. just bow out right <laughs> I, away. I, I, I was thinking you're, oh, the, his, his voice in his writing, but no. you mean literally. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do not yes. get in a karaoke competition yes. with him. Okay. No, well, do not. <laughs> Um, note made because <laughs> I have the worst singing voice in history. So I hear you. Um, Sally Jenkins from the Washington Post. And yeah. she's one of those people that uh, I agree with her sometimes. A lot of times I don't. But really? she's a great writer. Mm-hmm. And she's one of those people that makes me think about 
if I don't agree with her, how come? And right. is it something I need to be taking a little deeper look at? Right. Um, in terms of news, I love Leonard Pitts from Miami. Mm -hmm. um, he's a syndicated columnist. Um, let's see who else. I read a lot of the New York Times and the Washington Post. Um, I will read George Will because oh, he yeah. is he he's a sports fan. Obviously, right. loves baseball. Mm -hmm. um, but he's one of those ones that I I rarely agree with him. Right. But I learn something every time that I read right. him. Um, here in Chicago, Mary Schmick oh, yeah. is yeah. fantastic in terms of, of telling stories. That's And you can see a theme here is it's I love people who can tell good stories. Right. Um, is it so, uh, who's the the um, longtime SI guy that um, and I don't even know I, not being a, a, the, the writer like you are, but it's, I think it's Gary Smith. Is he the one that writes from I don't even know how you describe it, but it's a really pretty unique or very, I would think. Part of it is because it's really hard to do of the way he constructs the story and comes at it as from maybe even within that person's mind I yeah. think, a lot of the time. Yeah, it kind of tries to, in, like, and this is going to sound wrong, but insert himself into the event or the conversation. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it, it must be it's his way of the way his brain works or something of the that he wants to get in the other person's brain and tell the story from that way. I just um, I, I couldn't do it. I don't think I ever could, but that would be what, that's one I always enjoy reading. And I, that's one where in terms of technical or structure, when you read them, I'm like, I, I don't even know how do you go about, you know, what's your process of, you know, being able to do that? And how does, does he ask questions differently or is he even, we could ask the same questions, but he just, you know, um, communicates them in a different way. I, I don't know. It's it's yeah. really interesting. And that to me, I guess, would be what can help maybe keep you fresh on, well, I could take a little bit different angle of either the way I write or the way I question or. And that is one thing, especially if I'm at events, you know, I will kind of try and pay attention to how people are, like you said, asking questions or how they're going about doing their jobs. Because I, I do think that's fascinating that um, we all go about it from a different way. And you, ca I think you can learn something from everybody, whether right. it's something you want to do or something you don't want to do. Right. Um, David Haw is another person from Chicago. Oh, that sure, I, right. And I worked with him in South, when he was in South Bend and I was in South Bend. I didn't but realize he's, that. Yep, he's tremendous too. Yeah, and, and he's one that I, I give him credit to, to your earlier point for me personally is I don't always agree with him. Right. But I think it's always well-written. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, besides being kind of informed both, you know, um, in terms of the news or, you know, sports goings on that are out there to be good, um, to do the best job you can, do you, do you, I mean, do you write, uh, you know, you writing the great American novel in your spare time? Are no. you doing, or do you <laughs> somebody that just, okay, when I'm away, I'm away. And yeah. Um, I, my friends ask me that all the time or say, Oh, you should write a book. And I'm, I'm, that's not what I do for fun at this point anymore. Right, right. And I think I, I know myself and I would not be able to do that at the same time that I'm doing my regular job. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I wouldn't have the attention span or the energy. Right. And if I was going to take four months or six months off, I'd want to hang out with my nephews or go travel. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> right. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Right. And get to enjoy. I mean, I think I picked that up in your your social media feeds is that you try to enjoy, you know, when you were at the Olympics and, and, and you definitely, I think it's part of it is both unwinding, but getting that, that real, a real break is afterwards yeah. doing some travel around it since you're there. Um, but trying to at least, um, 
appreciate it, experience it. I'm always, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people are jealous that as a sports fan, and here's my office today is right. one of your big things <laughs> that you put up. And then it's, oh, it's the Super Bowl. Oh, it's the World Series. Oh, it's, uh, you know, golf or whatever. And uh, Olympics. And um, But trying to have at least some fun with it because otherwise it's it can be just, you know, you take it too much as a job. Right. And, you, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I get paid to watch sports. Right. There's, there is not a, I, I mean we all joke that we're still kind of surprised that they're letting us get away with this. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there are, uh, there, of course there are parts of the job. Deadlines are stressful. Uh, Travel is stressful, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm super lucky and it has afforded me the opportunity, not just to see different countries that I'm reporting from, but then, yeah, I I have used that to go other places from there or, or, you know, experience other, other cultures or, or other people, which is fantastic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, what's of, um, I want to talk about maybe a couple of stories uh, that you've been involved with in particular, but it, while we're on this kind of topic, I mean, you've covered Olympics, Masters, Super Bowls, World Series. Um, what, what else am I leaving out that probably, you know, BCS championships, yep. you know, some real high profile Final events. Final Fours. Yeah, fi- yeah, of course. Yeah, Final Fours. Um, World Cup. Oh, yeah, right. So is there, you know, they're all your children. You, you, know, you <laughs> love all of them. But, like, is there something of, of those that maybe even that would be surprisingly that you've, you know, who's really enjoyed more? Or is it actually none of those? It was actually this trip or this event? I, you're right. It is kind of like, you know, your children. There's not one that if somebody said, which one would you give up? I, I don't know what I would answer. But the Olympics and the World Cup are are really special just because of the energy Mm -hmm. and the enthusiasm that there is from people all around the world. The first time I did one, I described it as, it's like if you took the Super Bowl, the Final Four, the NBA Finals, and the World Series and wrapped it all in one. Because it's just, I mean, and I was lucky. The the first men's World Cup that I did was in Germany, which was you could take trains to every every game. It was right, you know, you're touching half of Europe from Germany. So you'd have, you know, you'd be on at the train in the morning and you'd have this group of Swiss fans, you know, singing and partying and, you know, they're, they've got their faces painted, they're carrying flags, they're, you know, wearing yeah. goofy hats, they're all dressed the same. And it's just, it's so much fun and you can't help yeah. but get wrapped up in that or get caught up in that. Right. And the games themselves are great, but it's just the atmosphere that surrounds it. And the Olympics are like that too. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's a, a really, really cool experience. And I would urge anybody, especially if the World Cup comes here in a few years, that I would urge anybody to, if you can, take part in it because right. it's just, it's something to be It's right. It's a whole nother level. Yeah. The um, What's the... I will, you know, because I'm assuming you get asked this all the time, both, you know, your friends and colleagues and, and just random people hitting you up online. But what is the fa- your favorite sports venue that you've been to? Oh, favorite sports venue. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Augusta National. Yeah. It's spectacularly yeah. beautiful and as beautiful as it looks on tv it does not come close yeah. to what it looks like in person yeah that's on my bucket list it's one of the few things i haven't been able to do and that's what everybody basically says it's one of those that normally you know oh it doesn't look as good as it does on tv most most times that it's it's just something else it's better yeah yeah um so 
I want going back a, a little bit, two different pieces. One is a, more of a general thing of, you know, and I, I'm a big fan of Richard Deitch's um, both columns and the interviews that he does for SI, the SI Media podcast. And you know, he's he's often speaking with with women in particular, but everybody, it's you know, who, who's somebody that you look, look up to, and with women in sports writing, there's you know, a disproportionate amount, obviously. I mean, was there was there as you were coming up and you know writing maybe at Marquette or certainly um, you know rolling on doing some sports stuff once with AP early on. You know, did you have uh, you know role models and were any of them you know maybe folks within AP that you could actually you know have a mentor mentee relationship? I mean, how, how did you you know you got to have something to aspire to, I guess that. So it's realistic. Well, I was really lucky because um, for the entirety of my career with the AP, the sports editor was a woman, Terry Taylor. And right. she was, you know, it was never a question in the AP of, oh, can a woman, woman cover sports? Well, of course we can. Right. There's a woman running the department. <laughs> and Terry was really good in terms of, um, I think at our high point, we probably had 12 female sports writers across the country, I think it was. You know, when you counted people who did it, you know, covered a, co a college along right. with, you know, like I did in South Bend. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't that she was giving opportunities to women because they were women. She was giving opportunities to people, to women because she thought that they were good sports writers. Right. Which um, is what it should be. It, which, exactly. It's just as long, just got to give them the opportunity. Exactly. And, yeah. Okay. Um, and she's, she's also a, the still to this day the best editor I've ever had um and she I, I joke with her she's retired now but I joke that she's still the voice in my head like if I'm writing something <laughs> well, and then I think that's probably a good thing <laughs> most of the time right <laughs> what was the first big piece that you worked on that you know gained a, that you felt really gained a ton of traction attention nationally um, and I, I mean, not, not you know, you know, I'm not saying just uh, you know, a certain it was a great World Series or a big Notre Dame game, but something more of stirring up some controversy and conversation. Well, it was probably um, so. I was at Notre Dame when Lou left. Lou Holtz left, and mm -hmm. that was probably the, the first really. I'm trying to remember if that was pre-Olympics or post-Olympics. Oh, I guess no. I guess the Olympics probably the Atlanta Olympics probably would have been the big one, um, which that kind of started. But then. I think Lou followed shortly after that, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. I think he was 97 that he left. That sounds right. Uh. Um, <laughs> but probably the Olympics. And it was, it's, you know, people are reading it. And I was covering gymnastics at the time, right. you know, which I still cover. But um, but it was an incredibly eye-opening experience in terms of cranking things out and making sure we had the right angle, which at the start of the Olympics, I was a disaster. I, I could <laughs> not get the, the angle right to save my really? life. Oh, God, it was awful. Um, and my copy was being ripped apart. And oh, I mean, geez. I would literally call my mother, I think, every single night crying. Oh. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> um, and speaking of mentors, a, a guy who was working the desk, Barry Wilner, who's the AP's longtime NFL writer, he was working the desk. And Terry Taylor told him one day, fix her. And <laughs> so he pulled me aside and he said, come here. And he, he we went to a cafeteria or something. And he said, here's what you're turning in. Here's where we need you to be. We've got to figure out how to get you from A to B. And just talking through him, right. talking through it with him and, and figuring out, okay, we are a global organization. You can't, you know, you've got to have the, 
the overhead view, not the completely drill down thing. Because oh, okay. So that was the main, main piece of feedback. On yeah, that. that, you know, okay, you might be really excited or, or think it's really interesting that the U.S. men stink on pommel horse, but the rest of the, you know, nobody else understands that or really right, cares. So right. you've got to figure out a way to translate that better. Um, oh, which has got to be huge, not just in gymnastics, because you're doing, you do have done a lot. And I think last, was it? last night were you tweeting about was, oh, it, figure was it figure skating yes. <laughs> right and i mean I, you do a good job in the uh I, you know when you write about it then that somebody like me that's not a fan of it and certainly doesn't understand both the judging and the triple south chow toe lift whatever doodly do that they do <laughs> i don't know what that is that you can speak to that that a lunkhead like myself can get it and then the real fans are not feeling like you know, talk down to or something, right? I mean, I'm assuming that's probably has a lot to do with. Yeah, well, and one of the greatest lessons, and it's what I still rely on, somebody taught me at one point, or said to me at one point, if you were going home after a game or after an event and you were telling your family or friends about it, what would you say? Right. That's what you want to write about. Because if it's interesting to you, it's going to be interesting to other people. Mm-hmm. And then also with a, with some things that are technical, um, you know, sports and they're, you know, I operate this way with football too. If I don't understand what they're talking about, odds are the people reading it aren't going to understand yeah. or care either. And so you have to find a way to describe to people what you're seeing or what's important without getting too inside baseball because you're going to turn people off. They're they're not going to learn anything because they're not going to understand it and you're not adding anything. So you know, if you want to do that, and there there are publications and there are places to do that. Right. But if you're writing for a, a general audience, as I have been doing for most of my career, you have to find a way to connect with you know the people who do know it, like you said, and then the people who don't. When you're looking at like gymnastics, for example, or figure skating, more technical, uh, more niche, just because it's not around as mm-hmm. as much, and and it's got to be hard because when people are only seeing it every four years or something basically that uh, you know a lot of people are picking it up and putting it back down right H- how do you i mean obviously you're paying attention to it the rest of the you know the other three years of the year of the of the cycle but you know h- how did you do how did you immerse yourself in that i mean were you, did you happen to be you know either the, like a gymnastics or a figure skating or anything like that did you have even rudimentary type knowledge of it or did you have to go all in uh, you know, certainly 96, was that part of the issue of why it was hard to Probab- break it down? Yeah, probably. Um, I, you know, those were two of the sports that I would always watch during the Olympics, that and swimming um, during the summer games. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that was part of it, and also to not understanding necessarily how the whole, you know, an Olympics meet works um, or a, a gymnastics meet at a, a major event like that. Um, but you, you really do have to figure out how to tell the story beyond simply the athletic competition. And, you right. know, like when the U.S. women won the gold medal, it wasn't about what kind of vaults they did. It was it was the fact that Carrie Strug had fallen on her first vault and then vaulted the next one on, you know, an ankle that had been ripped to shreds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, what, what vault she did to get it, you know, to do that to her ankle really didn't matter. It was the fact that that was what happened. So you describe the scene, you describe the emotions, you, you know, the color. And if it takes an extra five seconds or 10 seconds so that you can get that, that will be worth it. 
you know, because it will come out in the story itself as opposed to just being a very dry recitation of, you know, she did a Yurchenko full or whatever. Yeah, you know, right. That doesn't mean anything to no, anybody. No, it certainly doesn't to me. Did you have to make a huge conscious change? I'm almost imagining that going from AP to, well, though you had been doing it as a, as a writer, more of a columnist-centered pieces for a while. Because I'm just getting mm. at that, okay, because I'm getting at it USA Today, it's it's a it's more opinion. Yep. And B, it's probably you you have less uh, you have less space. You have less words because it's you know it's or is you know or it's knocked as the McPaper. Right. That it's it's so top line and it's with a quick hits versus AP. You are writing it. At least my old experience was it was you would write it and then you know at a certain point it would kind of peak and then information after that could be cut right. to fit space but you were it's a that's a different you're still writing it you're still cataloging that so i mean did did you find that difficult to make that change um well the ap had had gone had had started getting away from that um because the ap is a, a cooperative it gets its directions from its members which are newspapers radio stations tv stations websites and uh, you know for the last five ten years we were hearing we can't run a 1500 word story we don't have the space for it and as as staffs are being cut we don't have the editors who are going to have the time to, oh, right. to do that yeah. so you get 700 words and that is it you get you know for your news now which was your two <clears throat> two three paragraphs of who what where when why and how um and then you'd come back with the updated version um but those were those they were tightening up the right. editing on that um so f in from that so perspective was actually you were making a transition right to that right anyway right hmm. okay i wanted to look you know take a, take a specific example of what we talked earlier about there's a piece that that posted last night um uh, at, on title nine mm -hmm. where the heck is that going um some real questions and frankly concerns of of um the cabinet pick and where she's going, um, where her stance is on that. And you did, uh, you know, a, a pretty strong look at that and the implications and um, the concern of you, I think, personally. But a, a majority of women in sports uh, coming up, either and all the way up through coaches and administrators of what the impact is, is going to be. Break it down a little bit of the process for people listening would be, you know, how did that come about? Did you pitch that? Was that assigned to you? Did you have time to work on that? I don't, you know, how did it come about? Um, well, the way that any column develops, I generally write three times a week. And at this time of year, one day is always going to be NFL because mm -hmm. I'm at a game. But the other Tuesdays and Thursdays are my typical days. And I have a tremendous boss, Peter Barzilai, shout out to him, um, that what I'll usually do in the morning is I'll go through Twitter, I'll go through Facebook, I'll go through you know a couple different websites and just see what's what people are talking about. And then we'll send him a couple ideas of, hey, what do you think about this? So yesterday my ideas were... Um, I thought early on in the week that of the four coaches that are left in the NFL playoffs, two, Mike McCarthy and Mike Tomlin, there were people earlier in the season who wanted both of them deep-sixed. Mm -hmm. um, and yet here both of them are, the last four teams standing, one game away from the Super Bowl. So it's you know kind of looking at 
be careful what you wish for because you could end up being a San Francisco, which is looking for what its third or fourth coach in four years, yeah. a Jacksonville, you know. So that was one of the ideas. The other idea was, um, oh, um, the golf course for Tokyo 2020 uh, does not allow full full membership for women, and women are not allowed to play there on the course on Sundays. Um, and then just looking at something deflate gate related because Goodell's not going to New England this weekend, which I don't think is a huge surprise, but right. you can't avoid him forever. Um, so I sent those to Peter and he called and he said, well, he said, and we also had gotten a heads up that there was going to be an announcement um, that somebody had filed more complaints against Baylor, uh, one of their former employees. And he said, you know, what do you think about doing something with Baylor and, and Title IX? Cause, and we had talked about the uh, Betsy DeVos's statement that she didn't she wouldn't commit to um upholding part of title nine and i'll get into that in a second um and he said you know is there a way to come you know combo both of those and i said i i think there is because the part so title nine is is federal legislation that prohibits gender-based discrimination in education and the senator who actually um, sponsored it back in the 70s, uh, Birch Bay did it because his wife couldn't get into. I think it was a medical school, and so it was it was more meant to ensure that women had access to education. You know that they could go to law school, that they could go to med school, and an outgrowth of that was sports, which is what we've come to know Title IX as is that it's equal opportunity in sports. But the Obama administration in 2011 issued what was called the Dear Colleague Letter, and it was guidance that said. Sexual violence on campuses needs to be considered a form of sexual harassment that is governed by Title IX. Compl- you know that that how you deal with that is part of your Title IX compliance. In other words, you can no longer sweep accusations of uh, you know sexual assault complaints under the rug. If a woman comes to you and says that she has been assaulted, um, she needs to be moved out of her classes, or she wants her her accuser, or de- not I'm sorry, not her accuser, her the perpetrator, yeah. that there have to be con- you know allowances made, all of that kind of stuff. And this was always part of the law, but it was the Department of Education saying, we're making the, we're considering this a priority, and you need to too. And that is the, the part that Betsy DeVos is not committed to upholding, which, yeah, it would still be part of the federal legislation, but you could still, you would have schools that would say, well, we don't know that we need to make this a priority because the Department of Education is rolling this back. So that was the whole look at it, and it was, if this happens, Baylor is a perfect example of, of what can happen if a school doesn't think that it needs to be a priority. I mean, there have been dozens of cases of um, sexual assaults on the campus that were never dealt with. And the football team has obviously gotten the most attention, but right. the majority of complaints did not involve athletes at all. They involved just regular students, which is terrifying. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. Everybody should be concerned about the whole issue of sexual violence on campus because it's not it 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 hurts us all so yeah the the um one of the guests on on richard deitch's podcast um i'm sure you've read her work was uh, jessica luther from she's, texas Monthly. yeah and she's done a great job and on the, this the book specifically uh, that unsportsmanlike conduct college football and the politics of rape uh, i mean it's 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 sad that uh, a book like that has to be even thought of let alone written um is uh, yeah and that if that that's why i would say the concern that some of this stuff goes away or yep. is not enforced anymore and so you know obviously you can hear that there's passion in your voice about this because i mean i think it's 
it's gonna it impacts and helps so many lives and that's got to be well so i mean kind of to that to the point of the the, the process yesterday so you, you this this is all this all came well not all came about but i mean it had to quickly quickly gel yeah now was the was the plan when, when you did this yesterday you're saying okay well i have to have a column by right dot by end of day i have to be done right so you knew you were on the clock right and then you work with i'm sorry you're your Peter. boss, Peter. You shout out to him, and I don't. I should have <laughs> written it down. I'm so bad with remembering names. But with Peter, and okay, so then this this let's shape this thing. Let's figure out. And then um, Gabrielle Lyons, I believe, was the employee mentioned in the article that was that had quit and was was suing. And you're, but, but all that had to come together. Interviewing her, talking to other experts, doing this research. That was in. I mean at light speed, right? I mean, because it all had to happen from late in the morning till early afternoon, essentially, right? Yeah, I don't know if my editors would necessarily say it was at light speed, but but yeah, and that's where my AP training does come in very handy because I can turn things around quickly. Like, um, this has nothing to do with yesterday, but game seven of the World Series, I think I had, I think I wound up writing four or five different columns only three of which, two of which saw the light of day. Um, just because you're, you know, games flip, things change. Yeah. And so you have to be able to retool. And that, like I said, that's where my AP training comes in, which is a huge help because I, I can do that right. pretty quickly. I can put that together. You know, I look at some columnists who are wonderful and they write these just incredibly insightful takes. And I, I think, you know, I wonder if I could do that if I had more time. I don't know. <laughs> right, um, right. But that's... you're not operating that way. Yeah. So within a couple of hours, and you did, you did, you know, at least... How, how many interviews? How many people did you um, talk to? I spoke with Gabrielle Lyons and her attorney at, I think it was 12.30. So I did the... the When we got the, the news that... She, and her complaints had been filed earlier. She was just finally disclosing them yesterday. So I did a short news story on that just... I think it was 300 words, just saying that another employee has, has accused Baylor. Talked with her and her attorney, started writing, and then I, I knew I needed more perspective. So there's a group called Know Your Nine, which is an advocacy group for Title IX, mostly driven by young women. And so I uh, emailed them and said, hey, do you have anybody that I could t- talk with? Right. And they said, yes, we do, but she's not available until I think it was 3.45 my time. <laughs> um, but which was fine, because I had most of... I had most of it done, and so she and I talked for probably about a half hour, I'd say, and then filled out the, you know, changed some things around in the column, added some things uh, that she had pointed out, um, some statistics that she had highlighted, and I think I turned it in, I couldn't come up with headlines yesterday, so I think it was about five after five by the time I turned it in. Um, so start to finish, it was probably a five-hour process, which is is actually longer than normal or longer than yeah. I would ideally like it, but that's what it was. And then that sits in, uh, it's then tossed on Peter's lap at that point. Has he seen drafts, uh, you know, or have you talked with him about it, or is it pretty Some much new to him? I'm just thinking of how does he turn the thing around because, as we you know, it was posted pretty quickly after that right well and he actually he was not the one who edited it yet edited it yesterday it was somebody it was another one of my editors but 
yesterday was one of those days that I sent him the first, I think it was like five graphs and said, what do you think about this? And he said, your third graph doesn't make it. And he said, I'm, I'm having trouble following the third graph. And I said, okay. So then I sent him back another version that cleaned it up because I had wondered about that too. Uh-huh. And he sent back and he said, yeah, that's better. Um, so he at least knew where I was going with it. And I'll do that, not with every single one, but if I'm just wanting to make sure that I'm on the right track or if we have talked and then I've gone in a different direction, which I sometimes do, um, I'll send it to him. And, and he's really good about saying yes or no or that makes absolutely no sense or I really like this. You know, He's good about the feedback. Um, and the person who I sent it, so I sent it to the main editor that day and then another one. And one of them had a question and the other one ended up editing it. So it, it was a minor question too. Um, but yeah, so I think it, you know, they both of them were seeing it for the first time. Everything these days running basically thin staffed and things like that. Are there, do you have, uh, I mean, do you have researchers or anything like that that yep. on something like this that can go and look up the law or verify anything? Or is it, it's mostly has to fall on set you essentially and Googling and, you know, t- trying to verify it's not, you know. Yeah, and in an issue like this, I've got a fair amount of institutional knowledge. Um, I also have one of my coworkers, Rachel Axon, is a, I mean, a, like a vault when it comes to stuff like this, and she has dealt, she has covered a lot of this, so I will ask her questions or if I need sources. And then um, not so much on this piece, but other ones we've got. Um, so we have... I've got a main editor, but then there's it goes to a digital producer, and then it also goes to, if it's going in the paper, it goes to the copy desk. So it could be looked at by three or four different people, depending upon where it's going. And the guy who's the main copy editor, Joe Reyes, is great. I mean, he has saved my butt a million times <laughs> saying, hey, did That's you mean this? Or I think it's actually this. Or, you know, I think it could be clearer if you did this. So um, well, that's, that's so important. Yeah. I mean, he's they, awesome, yeah. That's that's his job, so he should be doing that, but, but still, it's kind of it's, a lost art. Yes. And so to have that and knowing that, it probably frees you up to the terrible to rock and roll a little better, but it's like, hey, I've got, I've got this guy's got net. my back <laughs> yeah. that can make sure. Okay. Well, yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I think the other piece that wanted to, to, um, to talk about specifically around the writing too is these days, you know, social media is now such a big thing yep. and, you know, you have your, Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram and and all that stuff and I'll I'll give everybody that um, info here before we go but it's it's fascinating to me I mean it's this I got just pulled this up because I wanted to read it again was you had posted and I of course as usual agreed with you but your column about bowl games that it was oh, yeah. just ridiculous <laughs> that there was so many yeah <laughs> and not controversial You've got teams that are five and six going no, to right, a bowl game right. come on it's a joke yes it's a joke. Not to a lot of people, though. And you're, well, well, right. It's people, of fans of uh, sub-500 teams, right? Because it gives them somewhere to go. But the, you know, so your tweet, bowl games for everybody. That's what it feels like anyway, and it needs to stop, and a link to your story. And, you know, I pulled it up and, um, t- you know, retweeted it or something because I agreed with it and thought it was a good, good piece, but agreed with it as well. And then, uh, you know, somebody... Yeah, the, the the trolling starts. Oh yeah, it, and it's just it's fascinating to me. And I even said that that you know one of my notes was watching the trolls fill your timeline is sadly fascinating, and what I believe screen names empower stuff like like this. And this guy, uh, you know, I'm not going to give his name, but you know, tweets at you and I saying 
that uh, the, the trolling wouldn't happen if she didn't have such trash opinions. That's and wild. somebody else talking about absolute waste of time. And that's what you sent back <laughs> to me was, and, and that's what's like, that to me is what's sad of the, the um, uh, we see it, this, this voice that hiding behind a screen name or some fake personality or whatever, and sometimes not these days no, yeah. right now, it seems as though even not, but that it empowers people to say stuff that they would never say yep. to your face. Yep. You know, I pulled up bef- right before we sat down to your Title IX story that was just posted last night and, you know, and scrolling through the initial comments. And, you know, there's one that's pontificating, you know, trying to use, I just like I did with pontificating, long, long words about that this is, this is good. Uh, which is unusual because usually it's negative right from the get-go. And then the next couple were, you know, take your speculating and fake news and yep. and shove it. And, and then uh, <laughs> somebody posts something about uh, hashtag Hatcher movement with uh, Donald Trump and his holographic reptilian overlord. <laughs> so, I mean, that stuff just gets either nasty or so bizarre so fast. Does that... I, and I imagine the answer knowing you was no. I, I don't think that that changes what you or how you write. No. And it probably maybe even validates that, hey, I'm striking a chord and I know my facts are right. So. I, and I'm not one of those people who says things just to rile people right, you're up. Not a, you're not a hot taker. No, I'm not. Um, and if I ever am, somebody please, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the first to let you Thank know. Thank you. Okay, good. I'm holding you to that. Um, but it's... I hesitate to say it's part of the job, um, but it is because we all get it. Unfortunately, though, women in sports media tend to get it more than, right. you know, and part of it is, or let me back up. It has never been easy to be a woman in sports media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you, we all, and any, I guarantee you, you can ask right. any woman in sports media, we all have locker room stories, or, you know, mm-hmm. things that were said or done that were completely inappropriate. And um, only because you were a woman. Only, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and most of us have, <laughs> you know, probably a dozen examples. Yeah. And most of us have forgotten half of the things that have happened. So the trolling is is similar to that, but it's also, it's some of the things that are being said these days are just completely out of bounds. Um, you know, when you have somebody, I wrote, um, I wrote a couple columns about Colin Kaepernick and the anthem protests right. this fall. Yeah. And one of the ones was on the 9-11 anniversary. And I said, my take was, on that day of all days, absolutely you honor the right to protest because that is what America is about, is that is one of your freedoms. And if you cannot defend it when you completely disagree with it, then it's not a freedom at all. And somebody wrote and said that they wish that I and Colin Kaepernick had gone down in one of the planes, Ugh. which is, you know, you don't say that to anybody. Well, but that's yeah. But but you getting you get that to that level. Oh, yeah. Very frequently. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's to it's, it's to threats and yeah. Uh, not just crude, which is Jamel Hill, uh, another one. Of, again, I'm must be just ripping off Richard Deitch, but I mean, the, you know, very interesting conversation with her a few months back. In that, as a African American, oh yeah, woman, I can't even imagine. Uh, she, I mean, she wants to use because Twitter can be a valuable resource right. for information, connecting, seeing the pulse of things. But it's one of those that it's this this whiplash, knee jerk, whatever reaction right yeah. at the time that I think personally we saw manifested in, in uh, uh, an election date, uh, some of that, and or a lot of that, that uh, it doesn't matter. They're not even right. looking at, con- folks aren't even looking at content. And so 
I, I guess I would say it, it is part of the game, unfortunately, or part of the job, but that I would think it would almost empower you, like, this is why I have to keep doing this. Yeah, and, and sometimes, yeah, you do get more fired up about it, but it is funny because in the Twitter comments, for the most part, I don't, I mean, I look at them, but I don't respond to them unless I'm bored or really angry about something. But um, I try and respond to the emails that I get, which I'm about three weeks behind right now. But um, And it's interesting, a lot of the times the people who've been the most critical, if I when I respond to them, they back down because they didn't expect that I would A, ever read it right. and B, respond to them. And so it's just kind of like they're throwing, you know, it's like word vomit. They're just throwing it out there because it makes them feel better, I guess, to, to, to slam me or to slam the opinion or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when they realize that there's an actual person, behind, you know, who is writing it and who is either taking the time to acknowledge what they're saying or explain their rationale for it, it, they, like I said, they tend to back off. Right. So, well, which is good. Um, it's too bad that it, it elevates to that level. But yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's it, part of what you're you're talking to people in you know, na- nationwide. But you, and you and but you're touching on issues that are gonna be potentially a little bit raw or yeah. set people off because somebody's got to talk about them. Right. And it's. I just, I guess the hardest thing for me is that I don't look at it as somebody like yourself, and maybe it is, again, knowing you, it's further biased, but you're not uh, lecturing or even some, sometimes you may even say, I don't know if I'm right, but this is this is what I'm thinking and why, and then to just immediately dismiss it because, particularly because you're a woman or something like right. that, is, then again, then that would make it a lot easier for me to dismiss that person's opinion but it's gotten so vitriolic that um but but and the irony of it going back to though that it's about say Kaepernick and being able to protest right and that should be patriotic and then but it's because somebody disagrees with him then it's now unpatriotic well but what about freedom of speech where anyway we're going to go down in a wormhole but (laughs) but but it is it's fascinating and I start I pulled up the other day and doing some research and it was a story about the NCAA and the legislation in Indiana. Oh yeah. And, and then uh, website after website that was targeting you is, um, you know, almost basically the devil, anti-Christian, anti-America, anti-Bible, anti, um, you know, what, what liberal wing nut, whatever kind of a thing. It's, uh, that's just I, I don't know if I could take that honestly I'm you know I guess I'm a delicate little flower but sitting on this uh, me sitting on the end of that and just getting this deluge has got to be um, I don't know it would shake me it would shake me maybe then I guess I would grow a thicker skin uh, you, I, yeah you don't have a choice I mean you either grow a thick skin or you get out because um, you won't survive if you if you let it get to you and don't get me wrong there are days that it's you know it's just bad, and I sit down and I eat a lot of ice cream, or yeah, I have a couple right. glasses of wine. Um, but then there are times that you know, like the the Indiana, and I've written also too about um, North Carolina's HB two, better known as the bathroom bill. Yeah. And with those, I know I'm on. I and I don't want to say because I know I'm not always right, but in this case, I am right. Right. Like it, you know, or or those of us who are on the side of equality are right. Um, but those both of those issues are fun because fun not really fun but because people will come at me with bible verses 
I have 16 years of Catholic schooling. You cannot throw (laughs) any religious argument at me that I have not already heard in my 16 years of Catholic school, yeah. so bring it on. Right. <laughs> well, and then and then the covering covering Notre Dame on top of that. I'm sure you had had plenty of experience there too. Um, so, you know, where wh- what's what's next for you? We thought I was joking a little bit earlier about the great American novel, but um, you know, I mean, l- practically, what are you? Uh, we've got the NF uh, NFL conference championships coming up in Super Bowl. Is that the next big thing? Do you have something yes. in, be- in between now and then that you'll no, be No, it's, um, I mean, doing my regular job and then, yeah, the uh, conference championships and then the Super Bowl. Um, and then it kind of... And you go, will you go to... Yes. The, uh, which which of the conference ones I'm are going, going to? I'm going to Boston, so New England and Patri- or, uh, Patriots and Steelers. And then, yeah, I leave for the Super Bowl, I think, on Sunday, the 29th or something like that. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that was going to be my next question is yeah. how long are you on the, the ground there for? Well, they have the media day, which is the circus mm-hmm. um, where, you know, somebody will show up with. In a, right. In costumes. Yeah, and exactly. It's ridiculous. But they're now doing that at night so that they can show it on NFL Network, which just further the, furthers the yeah, ridiculousness of it. Even crazier people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want to take a chance. So that is Monday nights. And then we have availabilities with the team Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, Friday. Goodell's doing his news conference on Wednesday. Um, and at this time of the year, you never want to take a chance with weather. So I'm going in Sunday night. Yeah. I get in late. Um just so that I but know that I'm on the ground. You're like, th- right. Yeah. You've got to get, especially this is not going to Phoenix or something. No. You're going into Houston, New England and for the conference championships, yes. you want to get in early and yeah. you go to the, then the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. You could have uh, hurricanes and whatever. Anyway, um, what we didn't get to talk too much about it earlier, but I, I definitely want to talk about it, you know, taking the painless networking kind of angle is this last piece would be, you know, any words of advice for, you know, uh, somebody looking to, to get into the business um, or, you know, they're working at a small paper or maybe they're not even yet. They're in school and, and trying to get in now. It's, you know, I'm sure you joke a little bit about it. You kind of you fell into all this stuff. But, I mean, I'd imagine now you get hit up quite a bit of, you know, hey, can I talk to you about it? how mm-hmm. do I get started? Who, who should I talk to? What should I do? Like, what's a key piece of advice or two that you give to people so they you know take away for them to help them elevate themselves take the next step move forward um well i what you do with painless is is great and you should you know congratulations for starting it and thank you for starting it because it is a, a wonderful resource and you know so if if there's a certain market that you're looking in, um, look around for organizations like Painless. Otherwise, APSE, Awesome, which is the Association for Women in Sports Media, any kind of industry or trade type organizations like that, because honestly, it's it it really is about who you know mm-hmm. or you know the context and the relationships that you have, as well as samples of your work. Like I always joke with people that, I, you know. Nobody's ever asked me for my transcript after my first job. Um, they don't care if I was a D student or an A student. Yeah, they're it's just making sure you graduated. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> it's, and it, I, you know, I don't even know if they asked me it, that. <laughs> um, it's more that they want to see what you can do. You know, yeah. how, can you actually write a story? Yeah. Um, because and you, if somebody's anyway. not working, tech, you know, they're not. They, they but they want to get into this type of business. I mean, that to me would be the beauty to the, these days of of uh, blogging yep. and stuff is yep. you, you know you can you, nobody even has to see it necessarily but 
Right. Right. Exactly. Just, you know, try it. If there's somebody that you admire or that you, you know, know or have met a couple times, reach out, email, call and say, hey, would you mind taking a look at this? Or would you, you know, can we grab coffee? Um, like I said, I was very fortunate to have people along the way. Um, you know, my job at USA Today was because one of my old bosses at the AP was the sports editor at USA Today at the time. I, you know, that's how I got into right. it. So, Relation. I mean, yeah, you can do the job and do it well, but it helps to have the doors relationship open for you. Was there? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And know too that any anything that you're doing, you know, it could be a source. It could be somebody that you work with it could be just somebody random you encounter on the street uh, you never know when those people are going to come back to you so be aware of that and be nice to everybody because you just never know yeah never burn a bridge yes. right i mean that's and then no matter how small the bridge don't burn it because you never know we were checking in downstairs where lovely chicago offices of gannett thanks to gannett for the owners of usa today for uh, for hosting us here, but uh, we're, as we're checking in, as, as what was your line? The, the, the Chicago is the largest small largest town in the small world because we had somebody that ran into somebody else they hadn't seen and didn't know they were back living in Chicago as we were checking in at the front desk. All right, so I want to knock out these um, social media handles here, and uh, ways people can get in touch with you or see your work would be on Twitter. It's at nr armor, which is a r m o u r like Under Armour, right? Sadly, no relation. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram would be the same thing, NR Armour. Um, uh, Facebook page, you've got it's, uh, got all your work up on it, and uh, you check that all the time as uh, by Nancy Armour. Yep. And uh, you can find every, all of her USA Today work is, uh, of course, up at sports.usatoday.com. And she's crazy, but she's going to put her email out there uh, is uh, narmour, N-A-R-M-O-U-R, at usatoday.com if you want to send kudos, no angry messages and, and threats. Anything uh, else that uh, that we didn't get to cover that want to throw out there? I'm trying to think. Um, not that I can think of. But well, thank you for doing this because this is a, a again painless itself is a great resource. But I, I think things like this are that's an unpaid, unsolicited <laughs> endorsement. I love it, and <laughs> I'm just glad I survived. I was nervous, especially as uh, this is the, the the inaugural one here. But uh, and me being the one asking questions of somebody who's usually doing all the question asking. Yeah, it's weird being on this side. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Nancy Armour. Much appreciated, and uh, thanks for joining us for the Painless Podcast. Thanks for having me. Great guest, huh? I thought so. Hope you did too. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you liked it. Please rate us, subscribe, share us on SoundCloud to help spread the word. Hoping to be cleared for iTunes and uh, being able to subscribe on there ASAP as well. Uh, Seriously, though, all feedback, whether it's good or bad, it's all welcome. We'd want to hear from you. How's the length? How are the questions? What kind of questions would you like to hear me ask next time? And uh, what's what's really what's interesting to you? That's what's going to make this thing work. Send any feedback as well as uh, if you've got guest suggestions, send them over to painlesspod at painless.network. The social accounts, by the way, to uh, keep in touch with Painless Networking are uh, at Painless Network on both Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, look for Painless Networking. And uh, on LinkedIn, also look up Painless Networking Chicago is where you'll find us quite a group on there 
I uh, hope you can join me again next week when my guest will be Kara Bachman, the executive director of the Chicago Sports Commission. And I'm um, really excited about where this thing is going. Other guests in the next few weeks are going to include Steve Bardo from the Flying Illini and BTN, TK Gore, the, di- the digital guru for NBC Sports and Comcast Sportsnet Chicago, and Chris Reuter, CEO of an exploding new sport, Spikeball. Until then, this is Chris Hartwig saying, stay connected, friends. Stay connected, friends.